Eagles Entertainment. Everything that moves, I don't care who it is. Let's go. Give me everything you got. Play fast, play hard. Let's beat these boys tonight in their house. It's party time. It's party time. Let's go. You are listening to the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Now here's your host, Brand Duffy. That's right of the day, and the Eagles wrap up the regular season as the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast continues. I'm Fran Duffy, and as always, I think we've got a great show for you here on episode number 514. At the top of today's show, we've got the postgame show where I chat with Marissa Pilla and Ike Reese as the Eagles drop to a record of 11-6 after a 27-10 loss on the road to the New York Giants. We're going to talk about it. Uh, obviously, a lot of uh, disappointment from this game on both sides of the football. 24-0 at halftime. Uh, and then just kind of both teams just kind of coasting uh, to the uh, to the finish line there in the second half. But uh, Ike, Marissa, and I, we're going to break it down. All the things that we saw, not just really from this game, but also we start diving into next week against Tampa. We talk about this team big picture. What are the things that need to happen before uh, trying to turn this around uh, next week against the visiting Bucks in the wild card round of the playoffs? Now, uh, this this podcast is going to take you all the way up to Nick Sirianni's press conference. So if you want to listen to Nick Sirianni's press conference, you want to listen to Jalen Hurts, you want to check out some of the film breakdowns we have in the show, be sure to go check out the show in its entirety, the postgame show, over on the Eagles YouTube channel. That is the best way to take in the postgame show. But I always like to post the audio feed for you here on the podcast feed. That said, let's get into it now. It's time now for the postgame show. Marissa is going to lead us in. Welcome to Eagles Post Game Show presented by Rico. I'm Marissa Pillow alongside Fran Duffy and Ike Reese. And Philadelphia Eagles regular season is in the books. It was a regular season that started off 10 and 1. It will end 11 and 5. A very disappointing, unforeseen loss again for the Philadelphia Eagles, this time at the hands of the New York Giants. What do we even begin to make of this? Well, I, I you know, I look at I look at today's game and I, I say to myself, I understand that. Ultimately, in the end, the results wouldn't have mattered because the Cowboys, they beat the Washington Commanders. But the way this game started out, the way the first half of this game played out when the Washington game with Dallas was still in doubt, I was disappointed in the way that the team came out and played today. You know, the fact that they just didn't seem as if they were into this game and had the intensity that was required to win this game for what was at stake and what was on the line. And... You know, it's one thing to say, you know, you're playing for the number two seed and, and you're trying to get a couple home games and, and possibly win the NFC East. And, and that's obviously a carrot that the Eagles were trying to get. But I think ultimately this game was more about how you finish the season out, how you get yourself prepared going into the playoffs. Hopefully you're making a deep run. And to not have the players come out and perform the way they had seemingly talked about they were eager to go out and do. And the, and the things they vocalized throughout the season made you believe that mentally they were right where you needed them to be going into this game. To see the results out there on the field, you know, that was just – it was disappointing and disheartening to see that today. It took two of the words I was going to use right out of my mouth. I mean, disappointing, disheartening, uh, whatever word you want to use to describe what you saw. I mean, I, you're exactly right. The outcome of the game does not really matter, right? Because the, the Cowboys won uh, today against Washington. So what the Eagles did in this game did not matter. What you wanted to see 
was this team come out better than 24-0 at halftime? Because this was not last week against Arizona, which was a very – it was a crushing loss against the Cardinals coming into your house and beating you the way that they did in the home finale of the regular season. But in that game, you know what? The offense played really well. They scored points on four out of six drives. They just didn't have the ball enough. In this game, the offense came out flat. The defense uh, responding to what happened last week to come out the way that they did to start this game. And obviously they turned things around in the second half. But I think when you look at the way that this game started – with everything that was on the line potentially for the Eagles. This, was a, this is going to be a tough one to swallow, and we feel like we've been saying that the Eagles have been taking that medicine over the last month. Yeah, I'm a first-time mom, and it's the first time I get to say this. I'm not mad. I'm disappointed. Oh, congrats. And that's just how I feel right now because everything chalked up to the end of the season of looking at these final two games against the Cardinals, against the Giants, one of those being at home and one of those being just right up the road. It was the easiest remaining schedule for any playoff team, especially considering who San Francisco had to play, who Dallas had to play. Easiest remaining schedule, and it just felt like something was continually missing. What was more disappointing to you, last week or this week? Well, last week for sure. I mean, I think I thought last week almost took the soul out of the city, out of the team, because it was such a disappointing loss considering what was at stake, what happened Saturday night in Dallas versus Detroit, the opportunity to win out and the Eagles would have the number two seed and at least be able to have the potential of having two home games uh, before you could could be in the NFC Championship game. So last week was certainly a more gut-punching sort of defeat. Today, today Today was more or less you wanted to see what you had left in you. And so... This is where the team has to sort of look themselves in the mirror and figure out what are they as a team? Who are they as a team? There's been a lot of talk. There's been a lot of lip service. And I think the heart and and the mind is in the right place. But there's something missing. There's something missing. I've been on the other side of this thing. I've been in that locker room. I know what it's like to have enough talent there to get things accomplished, to potentially overachieve. And I also know what it's like to underachieve. And this seems like a team that hasn't necessarily played up to its potential all year long. And the season's running out. We've been talking about this for about a month and a half. When you talk about disappointing losses and the team trying to search for an identity and figure out who they are. But there's not much time left in the season to figure that out. And today, again, the result doesn't matter as much as how we came out and how we played at the beginning of this game. Once you got that X next to your name in the standings, right, and you you earned that playoff berth, as the Eagles were going through this losing streak, it became, hey, you know what, you've got X amount of games, four games left, five games left, three games left, two games left, now one game left to get things corrected, get that momentum going in the right direction before you get to the postseason. Well, the zero, it's all zeros on the clock now. The, the Eagles have one week. They're going to play the Tampa Bay Bucks next week. We'll find out exactly date and time in the next couple of hours. But the Eagles have got to do some soul searching this week, and that's we're going to we're going to hear it this week. That you know what, uh, everybody's record is now zero and zero. You get into the postseason. All of that is true. Everything that the Eagles want is still out there in front of them. Can they turn it around? That, well, that, that remains to be seen, but th- those are going to be the discussions that not just like every player is going to have with each other, the players and coaches, but each of these guys are going to have to have these talks with themselves, yeah. right? You have to be able to look inside and say, what do I need to do to ch- try and turn this around? And, and, and when you look at the roster, right, the thing that becomes a little more frustrating and a little more mind-confusing is that 
it's not about a talent issue. Mm. Like you, you, you realize there's enough talent here yep. that they, they are a more talented team than the New York Giants. They're a more talented team than the Arizona Cardinals. Yeah. Like we know that this than the Seattle Seahawks, right? Like so, it's not about whether or not you have the talent here to go out and win these games. It's about performing and living up to that potential that you have in each individual player. And there has to be a connectivity here amongst the players, amongst the team, the staff, the coaches, and everything else that allows you to perform at your best. And that's the thing where I look at when I see the Eagles right now, I'm saying to myself, man, there seems to be somewhat of a disconnect there that they have to find a way to get connected by next week. Because, again, it's not a talent issue. And that's the frustrating part is that when you look at this roster, you look at this team, you're saying to yourself, you can accept if you you figure you're a player or two away from being that good of a team. This is a team that was just in the Super Bowl last year. They were just 10-1 six weeks ago. Like something has happened with the team, and only they know, right? We can surmise on the outside and speculate what, what you want to on the outside, but only in the inside can you get these things figured out. And I feel like the messaging seems to be correct every week, but it doesn't show up on the field. And that's where it leaves you to wonder, how do you get this fixed? Where is the issue at? And and then how can we bring this all together so that we can be the team that we expect to be? You need to back up what you're talking about with what you're actually showing. And you said just a few moments ago that you were part of teams that maybe underachieved and you had the talent but couldn't reach the potential. Did those – teams turn it around, and, and how did they? How do you galvanize a team that's that's underperforming? All right, well, so so when we're talking about turning around, it's it's relative, yep, right? Sure. So, you know, their team, like the, I think about the 0-3 team. I think yep. about the team we had in the 0-3 team that coming into the season, there were high expectations, but then there were a lot of injuries that besieged the team or what have you. So that was a team I kind of thought that we overachieved as a team eventually to where we got to the NFC Championship game. And although we lost to the Carolina Panthers, I didn't think that team was as talented as some of our other teams. Mm. But when you look at our 0-2 team that we lost to Tampa in the NFC Championship game, that's a team that I thought that was talented enough that we should have been in the Super Bowl and have won the Super Bowl that year. I know we lost Donovan late in that year, but we got him back. And I still think that's how good we were that we lost our quarterback for six weeks and still ended up with the number one seed in the NFC. That yeah. just goes to show you how talented we were overall. But in the end, we didn't live up to those expectations and beat Tampa in the NFC Championship game. And I thought that was our best chance to go out and win a Super Bowl. That was probably our most talented team overall. So I'm sorry. when the t- In 03, in the team that uh, overperformed, yeah. what was the centralizing thought that kept you all together that maybe something similar that the Eagles right now can emulate? The thing that was different with that team than this team, this team has the weight of expectations uh. coming off of being in the Super Bowl and expecting to sort of have a re, at least a repeat performance to get back to the Super Bowl. That 3 team was coming off a disappointing NFC Championship loss. We lost some of our key players early in that, early in that season. We lost uh, Brian Dawkins. We lost Troy Vincent. We lost Bobby Taylor. So when you think about the players – that had to sort of come together and get that team to be in 12-4. and four. That was probably Coach Reed's best coaching job. So we were able to rally around mm-hmm. low expectations and the outside naysayers not necessarily believing in us. 
That's the complete opposite of this team. This team has the, the weight of expectations on their shoulders based on what they did last year and what we expected them to do this year. There have been teams I've been thinking of, you know, over the last uh, couple of weeks where, you know, there were some teams that did well in the postseason that went far. And the one that, that I think of here in Philadelphia was the 08 Eagles team that, you know, Donovan got benched in that year. Uh, they ended up going to the NFC Championship game, losing to Arizona. They blew that second half lead uh, and they don't go to the Super Bowl. But I was thinking even like uh, a couple of years before that, there was a Colts team uh, they you know, had you know, basically struggled going in uh, and into the playoffs, and then they ended up going and winning the Super Bowl. There have been a number of teams over the years that uh, where that, but again, that's that's not easy. It's that it, it's it's hard to be able to recover that. So uh, you're hoping that the Eagles can find whatever that is. Uh, the the issues that and only they know. As I said, only they know what it is that they need to be able to correct. That they need to be able to find. Hopefully, they can find that in the next few days. And by the way. We don't know Jalen Hurts' injury status. We don't know A.J. Brown's injury status. We don't know Devontae Smith's injury status uh, for next week. I mean, big, big questions uh, going into next week against the Bucs. And to Fran's point, you know, there are several teams that, you know, when he talks about 05, 06, I think about Pittsburgh in 06. Yeah. That's I believe too. it was yeah. uh, Green Bay in 2010. You know, these are teams that had the talent there, but they didn't necessarily, for whatever reason, live up to that talent during the regular season. And they got hot as the playoffs hit, and they went on a run. Both that, Giants Super Bowl teams. Yeah, both Giants yeah. Super Bowl teams. So you look at the Eagles, that's sort of where you sort of have to hang your hat. Again, the talent is there on the roster. It's just a matter of playing up to that level and that potential that you have that matches the talent on the team. And they can stack their roster up against any team mm-hmm. in the NFC, let alone the NFL. You got a top top quarterback in the league that's young. You got one of the best duos of wide receivers in the league. You got a 1,000-plus-yard running back in the league, one of the best offensive lines in the league. You got a defense, not necessarily where you want it to be, but there's enough young talent there. And, again, sometimes when you get in the playoffs, the defense doesn't necessarily have to be lights out. It has to be good enough. You're ultimately going to win by how your offense carries you, and that's the strength of this team. So once you get those skill position guys on the offensive side of the ball rolling, it's going to give you a chance once you get in a one-and-done scenario with the playoffs is. We talk about Tampa next week. You talk about Jalen going up against a Baker Mayfield. No disrespect to Tampa. Great what Baker Mayfield has been able to do this year to get Tampa to win that division and get in the playoffs. But I think most people would take Jalen Hurts-led team versus a Baker Mayfield-led team. So that that's what – we should be able to hang our hats on moving forward that there is still the ability to have this run in the postseason that we're looking for. But again, we just can't talk about it. You got to do it on the field. And that would be the third week in a row where we look, maybe even fourth, where we look at our opponent and go, oh, on paper, true. we're yep. a much better team. That's yeah. how we felt about against the Seahawks, against the Cardinals, against the Giants. And you're right. I think most people around the league would look – on paper, roster for roster, yeah, I'd go with the Eagles over the Bucks. But the Bucks were also held out of the end zone today, too. They didn't score an offensive touchdown, and they had to settle for field goals today. So it's going to be a really interesting matchup because these two teams met way back so early in their season <laughs> when they were completely different versions yep. of themselves. What can you draw from that first experience heading into this playoff? 
Uh, for me, I would say the run game, go back to week three, you know, DeAndre Swift, that was the last time he went over 100 yards. Uh, it, was, it was in that one. I think when you go to, you look at that run game, what they did on the road against Todd Bowles and that defense, we know that they like to blitz. Some of the issues the Eagles had protection tonight, you know who's salivating with that is Todd Bowles. <laughs> uh, you know that he's sitting there saying, okay, we're going to dial up some of those same things that the Eagles have had trouble with here in this one. Uh, we're going to send something similar next week. So uh, that run game could be a really nice antidote, and we'll see if that's something that can carry over into this matchup. There's there's plenty to talk about here with this game coming up. Uh, I don't know that we even need to talk too much about tonight. Uh, we can spin this forward to a week from now. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I would imagine the run game next week, and and considering where our two wide receivers are at physically right yeah. now, we don't know the, the the extended health of AJ Brown and where he stands at after today's game. And hopefully, Devontae next week can be as close to 100% as planned. But you look at our outside weapons. I just don't know how how uh, pertinent the passing game will be in that game next week. So when you look at that first matchup, DeAndre Swift, this offensive line going up against that Bucks defense, that isn't necessarily the biggest. They like to rely on speed, athleticism yep. on that side of the ball. Their linebackers, their safeties, what Todd Bowles likes to do. We, we were able to have success against them in that first game, uh, running the football 200-plus yards in that game dominating time of possession in that game. I think about, was it seven to nine minutes late in that game where the Eagles ran the clock out the last the really final good drive of the game? Yep. Yeah, last final drive of that game. So those are things I look at. And this is a different Tampa Bay Bucks team. I think they are a more confident offensive unit than they were the third week of the season. Baker's done some nice things throughout the season with Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Rashad White in the backfield. But I look at the Eagles offensively, We'll have opportunities in the passing game, but this is a game that we may need to lean on that offensive line in DeAndre Swift. And it was really telling, too, because, as you said, the Eagles were without three of their huge offensive weapons in this game, their 1,000-yard running back and 2,000-yard receivers. Um, and they didn't have – they had one reception over 20 yards today. Meanwhile, they gave up three receptions over 20 yards. Uh, one of them was 46 yards. Uh, Wandale Robinson. Yep had a career game in the first half. He had the most yards ever he had this season in just the first half of play. These are the stats from today. You can see they were outgained. And, you know, when you talk about a game as a whole, you have to win multiple battles within the game. You know, line of scrimmage, turnovers, possession. The Eagles didn't win any of that. Where, where to you, was the one piece that kind of caused everything else to crack? For me, it's our, it's our pass defense. We got to figure out something on that side of the football with our pass defense. You know, we talk about whether or not it's the defensive line or the secondary where they sort of go hand in hand with each other, right? So if the, if the, if the secondary is doing a great job of challenging receivers at the line of scrimmage, you make the quarterback hold the ball, that gives the defensive line an opportunity to get to the quarterback. Conversely, if the coverage is there, meaning the secondary is doing a good job, of not giving them any open windows for the quarterback to throw the ball, then our defensive line has to get home. But our pass defense has been an issue all year long. And if I'm looking at next week, that's the one area that would concern me most. Looking at Mike Evans and, and Chris, Chris Godwin yep. with that passing game, that would concern me the most as far as how do we figure out a way to defend 
big wide receivers and keep the big play off of us. Uh, their, their offensive identity is based off, you know, Dave Canales is the offensive coordinator. He came from Seattle. He was with Pete Carroll for a long, long time. And he said that his, when he, this was his introductory press conference back in January of last year that I'm going back on. He reflected on uh, the time with Shane Waldron coming over from Sean McVay. And he said, that's what my offensive philosophy is now. So it is run game and basically take what the, uh, the defense gives you. Baker Mayfield's been one of the best quarterbacks in the league so far this year on third down. So I go right to our third down defense and say, okay, how, what answers are they going to have against Baker Mayfield, Mike Evans, Rashad White, uh, you, know, you go to the tight end, Kate Otten, Chris Godwin over the middle of the field, all of these different options. Baker Mayfield has shown that, you know what, I'm willing to get the ball and distribute and not force the issue because that's been a problem for him over the course of his career is, you know what, in those big moments, he's going to throw a pick, he's going to take a sack, he's going to play hero ball. That has not been the case at all this year, and that's why they've been one of the best third down offenses. Rashad White, uh, I think anyone that ha had him on fantasy football this year will say, oh, you know, Rashad, I love Rashad White uh, because he's catching a lot of balls because Baker Mayfield is not holding on to it and taking sacks. He's dumping the ball off and getting the ball to the backfield or to his guy out of the backfield so quickly, so efficiently. So to your point, Ike, uh, I think that when you look at like the pass rush in this game, that might be tough to do if the coverage is not sound on the back end. If everything's not, you're not, you have to force Baker Mayfield to hold on to the football to allow that defensive line to get home. And if the defensive line is not able to get home, then the tackling has got to be sound on the back end. Once again tonight, uh, we saw missed tackles that led to big plays. They have got to shore some of this up, certainly going into this matchup. And they, the Eagles did defense did do that in the first matchup yes. against Tampa Bay. Yep. They made Baker hold the ball just a little longer, make him think through his progressions a little bit, and they were able to get the coverage settled. So does that give you reason to believe that they can do it again, or are you more so concerned about recent performances at, rather than looking back weeks ago? Yeah, it would be interesting to see. I, I definitely think there's something to be gained from going back and looking at your first matchup. Definitely. But Tampa is such a different team than they were in week three to where they are now. You know, you have to be careful that you don't put so much emphasis on what they did early in the season. By the way, we don't have the same coordinator or play <laughs> yeah. caller on that side of the ball as we had earlier in the season when Sean Desai was calling the defense versus Matt Patricia right now. But to your point, Marissa, I think there is some things you can gain from familiarity in the first matchup that you had. But it happened so early in the season that – there's only so much you can take out of that versus where they are right now. And the same thing holds true for the Eagles, mm -hmm. conversely. Like they, they are a different offense and defense from where they were week three in the season and where they are right now. I will say one matchup I think we'll be talking about all week will be Slay making his return uh, yeah. from the injury going up against Mike Evans because Evans has been uncoverable for most of this season. Uh, he is still I mean, putting up outrageous numbers in like his uh, 10th or 11th season in football. He's just been outstanding this year for Tampa Bay. And so that will be one of the big one-on-one -on -one matchups, certainly to watch. The Eagles have been playing a little bit less man coverage in the last couple of weeks compared to uh, how they started with Patricia calling plays. But I do think that that will be a matchup we will likely see uh, slay uh, over Mike Evans for majority of the game would be my guess. Yeah, and I think an area, too, that the Eagles defensively need to keep an eye on, as you said, is the middle of the field and those yards after catch. We saw that early on against yep. the Giants tonight was that the middle of the field was – wide open for them to kind of dink and dunk through and just continue to march down the field. Quick little progressions and getting themselves in manageable second down situations and just not able to get off the field. Yeah, it's been an issue all year. I mean, yeah. just from the first game. I mean, I can remember us going back talking about that game versus the Patriots in <laughs> the middle of our defense sort of being soft and vulnerable 
uh, and teams being able to take advantage of that and happened again today. Uh, Tyrod Taylor being able to throw 300-plus yards a day. Could not have envisioned that. Yep. That's what happens when it's easy pitch and catch. And then not only that, a lot of yards after the catch. A lot of yards after the catch today. Got to be able to make tackles, come up and make plays. If you're going to force the team to throw the ball underneath because we don't want to give the, the deep throws up over our head, you got to be able to come up and make tackles. Yeah, and I, I think the run game will be important as well. You don't want to be able to let Rashad White get going on the ground. That has not been where the majority of his production has been, but you hope to keep it that way. Don't let them gain confidence with the run game uh, and start to get things rolling downhill. Right. We saw what happens when a team gets comfortable yes. running the ball against the Eagles last week against the Cardinals. And if you at home don't really remember that game against Tampa Bay, here's a quick look back at week three and how the Eagles fared against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Because statistically, they did pretty well against the Bucs. You know, total yards, 472 at 174. This was a game yeah. where the Eagles were really starting to roll. It seemed like they were getting their feet underneath them just three weeks in. Um, still, turnovers were a bit of an issue, but committed the time of possession as well. Uh, we know stats don't always tell the full story, but is there something in particular that you remember about being dominant in that game? I mean, 174 yards of total offense for the Bucs. Uh, we'll take that next week for sure. <laughs> I think that would, that would go a long way uh, towards a potential Eagles victory. So if you could repeat that, uh, keep Baker Mayfield co uh, contained. I remember going into that one, we were talking about what they were doing on third down and keeping drives alive and playing efficient. And the Eagles were able to shut the door on that. They had some really good coverage calls on third down. Uh, some of it, I remember there were some like fluky plays in terms of like, oh, should that have been a flag or should it not have? But the Eagles were able to get stops. And that was the big thing is you were able to, you didn't allow these extensive drives. And it felt like even tonight, when you look at early on in this game, there would be like a 26-yarder followed by an 18-yarder, and then they score a touchdown. It was as soon as things got snowballed, then it was the, the, the drive was over and they were able to get into the end zone. And then not only, only that, mid-drive that happened, but then it was like touchdown, touchdown, touchdown. The floodgates opened. So the Eagles will have to find ways to get stops early in the game next week, early in drives next week, to keep things from uh, getting out of hand mid-drive and now allowing the Bucks to be able to score. You want to try and get some positive momentum. That will be so important just to get some confidence early in that game next week with how this season has ended from a regular, over the last few weeks. Yeah, and I just remember the Eagles from an offensive standpoint imposing their will on that Bucks defense, basically wearing them down in the second half of that game, coming off the game they had against Minnesota where their offense was completely dominant, Rushed for over 200 yards. Jalen threw the ball well in that game as well. But they came into that Bucks game with that same sort of formula. They let the running game sort of lead them. Jalen made some plays in the passing game off of play-action play passes or what have you. But eventually, once they got the lead, they leaned more on that running game, which until they leaned against that Bucks defense and wore that defense down in the second half of that game. I just remember some of the runs that DeAndre Swift and Kenny Gainwell had in that game where they didn't get touched till like, they were like five or six yards beyond the line of scrimmage. Yep. Just some of the running plays that we ran in that game, they were just firing off the ball. And whether it was the Bucks' defensive scheme to where they were more concerned about, I guess, the passing game and the Eagles, the fact that they stuck with the running game, it just allowed them to really dictate what they were going to do. And the Bucks' defense were on their heels in that second half, which eventually led to that, I say that eight, nine minute drive late in the fourth quarter after the Bucks had gained a little momentum. And it's like, okay, if they get a big stop here, then maybe they're back in the game. 
the Eagles never allowed Tampa Bay to have the ball again after that. It was like an eight-minute drive to end that game. And I remember that in that second half that it was like, okay, this is the identity of our team. That's two straight games, pound the football at a lighter defensive front, set up our play-action pass, and that's going to lead us to victory. That's what they did in that game. And it was very calm, cool, collected, controlled from Jalen Hurts as well. Um, And we hope to see that uh, next week in the playoffs. And speaking of the playoffs, Dallas Goddard just spoke to the media in the locker room about his vision for the playoffs going forward. Um, you know, he, he said kind of the same thing. You know, it was, it was a bummer. This isn't what we expected. This isn't how we wanted to come into this game. This isn't the outcome we wanted. But uh, we got to flush it, and we got to get ready to go to work. And, uh, you know, it's 0-0 next week, and it's win or go home. And, um, you know, I, I got the confidence in the guys here that, uh, you know, I don't think we'll be going home. Is it possible to? Getting back to their winning ways for sure. It's win and go home. That's how the wild card, that's how the playoffs go. Uh, they need to get back to you know, what made them great, what made them a 10-1 team early in the season. Going back to that first game against Tampa Bay, we're talking about the offensive options. We don't know how great are A.J. Brown going to be, Devontae Smith, how healthy they'll be next week. But uh, uh, Olamide Zacchaeus had a great game against Tampa Bay. He had a big touchdown in week three, and that was his first touchdown. And he also had a great uh, play to get a first down that was kind of like a scramble, right. fall apart play. Yeah. Um, so he showed up big. Maybe that's another matchup that the Eagles can kind of start. And he had a good game later, late in the fourth quarter today too. Yeah, I think when you when you look at the Eagles and their chances next week, I think a lot of it starts with, you know, you, you use the mantra of one game at a time, and, and that certainly is true. But I think with a team like the Eagles that have the, the aspirations and the ultimate goals of being in Vegas, it really, for me, it starts with them believing that they are still that caliber of team. Because if you still believe you're that caliber of football team, then your mindset going into this game and in the postseason will be of that mindset. Meaning that we know we have to go down here and take care of business. We know that we're the better team. Let's put it all together to get ready for this long playoff run. But if they don't have that level of confidence in themselves, that that's what they can do. Ultimately, you 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 get concerned going into a game like this as to whether or not can we put together the game that we need to put together to win on the road in the playoffs. And, and that's where it starts at, is whether or not you believe you can go on the road and win a game in the playoffs. And so when you talk about Alameda Zacchaeus and really the offense in general, now we're saying, okay, what facets of this offense – can step up and contribute, right? We know we got this guy a little banged up, that guy a little banged up. Can we use these other parts of the offense to also add to what we want to do? And that's what the Eagles need to do next week. You know, I, before the show, I went back and just reread my notes from studying the tape against the, the Bucks back in week three. And one of my big takeaways was uh, the Eagles won the battle handily along the line of scrimmage on both sides of the football. And I think that anytime a team is in a rut, whether it's us on the outside, and I know even on the inside as well, teams will just kind of, hey, you know what, let's rip it down to the studs. What is it? What is our bedrock? What is it that we are made of? What is it the, the biggest strength of our football team? Let's lean into that this week. Let's go back to basics, all those, those different terms that are thrown around. And I think when you look at this team and the way that they are built, where the money is spent, where, where exactly how they're it's, – it's the line of scrimmage. And exactly what you said earlier, like when you talk about that offensive game plan back in week three, the offensive line, the run game, controlling it late in the, day, late in the, in the, uh, in the game, in the fourth quarter, and salting the game away. You go over to the other side, 
The Bucs could not block the Eagles' defensive line in week three. Yeah. Could not block them. Fletcher Cox got home for a sack. Jalen Carter was disruptive. Josh Sweat got home for big plays. The, that defensive line showed up in that game. That has not been the case for the, for the last month and change for this team, right? So I think what you're going to need in this game next week, you want the line of scrimmage to be able to come up and show whatever they need to do to figure out, you know, is there other things schematically that we can do, and, uh, matchups that we could take advantage of. You gotta, you, what you want in that game, if you're going to get a duplicate result, is the line of scrimmage to be won on both sides of the football. I think that'll be a, that'll be a huge thing to watch in that game. I just looked back at my old notes from the Tampa Bay game, and I have O-line synchronized, and then I have <laughs> Jalen Carter is good at football. Yeah. yeah. So that's kind of what it all ended up with. Of course, one that game, right? Yeah, the, he had, him yeah, and Fletcher got there yeah. at the same time on yeah. Baker. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So we actually, usually we, we tell you at home about Ask Ike, presented by Pond La Hockey, and I haven't had the opportunity to tell you about that, but somebody already jumped the gun <laughs> and sent in a question. People so know. I'm very happy about this fan. They know, they know the deal already. Uh, they want to know, Ike, how do we counter the blitz? It seems like we don't have an answer. Wow, countering the blitz. I'd be interested to see how much Todd Bowles blitz next week, right? He does have that in his background. He certainly likes to bring extra pressure. And I would say you counter the blitz by coming out with plays that will get the ball out of the quarterback's hands quick. So, you know, people hate to hear about bubble screens and things of that nature, but that's sort of what you need, right? You got hot reads. If they're built into your offense with a wide receiver and a quarterback on the same page, again, that's just another form of getting the ball out of the quarterback's hands as quick as possible. You can have draw plays like screens and draws. Those are things that, as a defense, you're always concerned about when you're sending extra guys because the idea is to get as many guys going at the quarterback. And for an offense, you want to get those guys rushing up the field, and then you hit the ball behind those guys yep. and, and, and try to slow them down so whether you're thinking about screens, uh, hot adjustment reads, or draws, those are, to me, are the best ways to sort of counter a team who's trying to blitz a lot. At the, at the end of the day, you want Jalen Hurts to be able to hit the top of his drop and know where the ball's going. Yeah. Right. So wh whether that's a screen, whether that's a short underneath throw, whether that's a, a deep throw that's It'll in be rhythm. A deep throw, yeah. yeah. I, I, yeah I, we, we've seen that throw. over the last couple of years. We saw that in this game today. We saw it last week against Arizona. Remember that, that, that deep ball that just went through Devontae Smith's fingertips. You're going to have all these different answers, but you need to be able to, to go out and, and hit on some of those answers. And so the other element, too, is the quarterback run game because uh, that's a part of it. If it's third and six and they're sending a zero blitz at you, the way to get – because the zero blitz, okay, that's an all-out pressure where there's nobody else in the back end. It's one-on-one -on, -one on the outside. Well, that's advantage defense in terms yeah. of numbers. You get those numbers back in your advantage when it's the quarterback holding on to the football and now the running back is there as a blocker and they're leading the way up into the hole for Jalen Hurts. So if you're able to hit on so some of those Kansas runs – Kansas City. Exactly right. Yeah. You go to the Kansas City game winner. You yeah. go to the Buffalo game winner. Uh, you go to uh, a lot of big plays. You know, the, the Colts game last year yeah. uh, that, that they won down the stretch. When they send a blitz – you have the quarterback run game, and go back. You go back a week ago against Arizona. It was that second and long play during that, that that field goal drive, the second to last drive of the game. They had that quarterback run that was just dialed up, and, and AJ Brown said it this week that you know that that was very close to hitting. Right, I think that those are the kind of answers you want to be able to have when the team is ready to blitz, but you also have to be able to execute on those calls. You know, I haven't asked Ike. So Ooh, if, yes. if Nick Sirianni called you and said, Ike, I need you to come into the locker room and pump these guys up. <laughs> What would you say? What is your inspiring <laughs> message that you would bestow upon the locker room? First of all, this is a family program. <laughs> <laughs> this is a family program. So I can't, I can't necessarily 
reenact what I would exactly say. Can't go to full character. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. I can't go. Paraphrase, if you will. Yeah. <laughs> and how I would be uh, in the locker room. But I honestly, I, I, I would, I would, um, based on just how I feel right now in the moment, right? I'm, I'm just being a former player and a fan of the team and what I would want to say to the team. It's just more or less about understanding that all of our goals are right here in front of us yep. and that there's no reason to uh, give up on those goals and figuring out a way to dig deep down and, and soul search and understand that those goals still matter more than anything and, and understanding. See, I'm, I'm more of a passionate plea type of guy. So I would give them more of a understanding that these opportunities don't come by every year. Yep. They don't come by very often. So being a good football team in this league with an opportunity to put a ring on it and win a championship doesn't come along for everyone. You know, some teams' goals are to be a winning team. Some teams' goals are just to get into the playoffs. And then there are teams that have goals to actually win in a championship. And I know what that's like to have that as a goal and not to reach that goal. But I also know what it's like to almost – give anything and everything to try to attain that goal. So making that passionate plea uh, to my teammates would sort of be the message that I'm trying to get across to them is to understand that these opportunities don't come along very often. And you don't want to look up one day or wake up one day and regret not necessarily taking advantage of this opportunity, right? It's one thing to not get it accomplished. It's another thing to not believe that you can get it accomplished and put forth your best effort, your best effort. And that's the one thing that I can say about the teams that I played on. As disappointed as it was that we didn't ultimately win a championship, I was never a part of a team that didn't felt didn't feel like we could win the championship or we didn't work to win that championship. We came up short, obviously, but it was never because we gave up on winning the championship. Yeah, one thing when you were talking that I thought of was I'm trying to remember exactly where I saw it, if it was like in the Kelsey documentary on Amazon or if it was on Eagles Unscripted. But I remember Jason Kelsey being mic'd up uh, during, I believe it was the NFC title game last year, and him going to Jordan Davis and saying, yeah. hey, hey, big guy, like you only get so many of these. They, and they don't come around every single year. Jason Kelsey played in one playoff game in his first, what, seven seasons yeah. here in Philadelphia. It was in 2013, 2013, 2013, 2013 right? Yeah. So he only played in one of those games for the first seven years of his career. And so, you know, I think there are a lot of people out there who will be like, oh, like this team quit and this team's not no, like there are guys in that locker room that say like I don't know how many more I have left and you know if you're looking at the young guys in the locker room the second year players the third year players say you know I know we were close last year or if you're a rookie you weren't here last year you don't know how many more of these chances you've got and so th those are the kind of talks you have to have this week too because uh, as you said everything's out in front of you but you've got to be able to go and take it you got to be able to handle your own business and to your point Fran it's, it's, it's so true right with where you're at in your career will dictate that message. Yep. You know, you're a young player early in your career, and you could be the rob. You know, you're trying to get everybody fired up and rally the troops as a young player, but you're in your second or third year. You got your whole career left ahead of you. Yep. But those older guys that know that the end is closer to than what the beginning was, it resonates more. And those guys seem to have more of an impact in the locker room, especially the guys that are respected. And that's where the Eagles are fortunate at because they have four guys on this team that whose voices are very well respected 
in that locker room. We think about Brandon Graham, Fletcher Cox, Lane Johnson, and Jason Kelsey. When those guys speak, it seems to, to resonate with everyone in the locker room. Only problem is you wonder, have they had to be the ones who have led the message all year long? Because at some point, it falls on deaf ears. And that's what you, and that's, and that's what you don't want to happen. But it, it, it just, I know with those four guys, I know what I'm getting. I know what I'm getting with yeah. those four guys every week. And you're getting whatever they have to give you, you're going to get the best of it. Great stuff there from Marissa and Ike. Thanks to them and thanks to all of you out there for your continued support of this show and all the rest of our X's and O's content here with Eagles Entertainment. That being said, I think that'll do it. Another show in the books here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. For everybody here at the Novacare Complex, I am Fran Duffy. We will talk to you later this week.